Thank you, Nathan. And can I add my welcome? Um, lots of new faces in the courtyard. So if this is your first time with us here at Bridgman, we, we really do. A heartfelt welcome to you and your family. Um, pray you really feel welcome here. We do have a welcome lounge there. Stay for coffee, but we really want to be a family where we can encourage one another, love one another, welcome one another. So let's, let's do a good job of that church as we keep welcoming more people. Um, if you are new, um, as Nathan said, we are in the second week of a church-wide series called Your Kingdom Come. And it comes from that prayer um, that Jesus prays, Your Kingdom Come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What an incredible prayer. Your, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Like, what a great prayer to pray. As I was thinking about this, and actually not just more recently, as I read through the scriptures and I hear the kingdom of heaven or the, you know, the kingdom of God and just that whole reality of a king, I sometimes wonder what we might lose living in our culture where we're not quite as familiar. Um, you might watch movies, and I've got a picture we'll throw up here of a king on his throne. Uh, you might see movies or read stories in history where a king had absolute power and authority. You might have moments where their subjects would come on bended knee, head down um, before the king. Um, one, one of great power and authority, quite different to maybe our day. But as we look at kings and as we look at a kingdom, and as we look throughout history, we will see that the, the fortunes of the subjects of that kingdom or the people of that kingdom rode on the heart of the king. How that king would use his power and authority would impact all those within the kingdom. And we even see it. Actually, now we are 12 months on from the war in Ukraine. One man who has power and has authority and the, the impact of the decisions he's making that are coming from his heart over there in Ukraine is impacting millions. So as we're looking at a kingdom, we need to look at the heart of the king. And that's one thing I want to do this morning, that we look at the heart of Jesus, the one with ultimate power and authority. What is his heart? What, what is at the core of who he is as a king? And what is the way of his kingdom? How can we see his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven? What, what is the way of the kingdom? So to do that, I want to look at one of my favourite passages in Scripture, and I think it is the most beautiful portrait or picture of Jesus. And whether you are not so familiar with Jesus, you might just be asking questions, you know, this all might be new to you, or if you've read the Bible and you're familiar with Jesus, I want us to look at this portrait, look clearly at who Jesus is, and just be blown away and love him. I love King Jesus, as I look at this, I'm like, how amazing that this is his heart. Let's have a look at it in Philippians 2. I'm going to read um, from verse 5. It's in the context of in your relationships. It says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus. Here's the portrait. Who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing 
by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We could sit in that, we could read that, we could look at who Jesus is, and it is incredible. God, all authority there, every knee shall bow, like he is above. But in that passage, we look at how he uses his power and authority. We're going to look at his heart. There's a few things said there, three things I want to pick up on of what is said in that passage about who Jesus is. And I'm going to take us to three scenes of Jesus' life where we see that played out. The first one, let's look at Jesus coming to earth as men. It says in verse six and eight, it says, being very nature God, fully God, he came in human likeness, in the appearance as a man. God coming to earth in Jesus, fully God, fully man. Just let this blow us away. Jesus, all authority, all power, in the majesty, in heaven, in glory, coming to earth to be with his people. Jesus was there from the beginning. He, he was part of creation, speaking it into being. He's got all of that authority. And then he comes to be close to his people. He comes out of that glory into the brokenness and the, the, the filth, the muck of our world. Amazing. You see a heart of humility in who Jesus is. But it's not just that he came from heaven to earth. It's the way that he came. If you're gonna set up a kingdom, what king is born in Bethlehem? The back blocks. No one even knows. Like it's, no one knows of Bethlehem. If you were a king and you're gonna set up a kingdom, would you not be born into a royal family? Would you not be born in a palace? Would you not shout it from the rooftops? But here we see, and get this, like this is where we've gotta be so careful because Jesus' kingdom is different from any other kingdom. I want to give you the tip here. Like, look carefully, because Jesus' kingdom is not like any kingdom. The way of Jesus' kingdom is not like the kingdoms of this world. And Jesus comes in obscurity. Where's he born? He's born in a stable. He's born in a manger. He's born among parents that couldn't even find some accommodation in the back blocks of Bethlehem. Now what's happening in Jesus setting up his kingdom, has the script gone awry, has it gone wrong? Is this meant to be? Or did Jesus do this absolutely intentionally to tell the world the way of this king is a way of humility? That he's not shouting it from the rooftop, he's not big noting himself, it's a way of humility and that when his kingdom comes, it's gonna come differently to the kingdoms of this world. It's not a kingdom of political power, it's the kingdom of hearts. It's a kingdom that's gonna rescue hearts. It's gonna rescue people. It's a spiritual kingdom, not one that you're gonna see here on earth. And it came in humility. As God came from heaven to earth to be with his people and to rescue his people. 
If we look at a second part of this passage, it speaks of his servant nature. In verse seven it says, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Don't forget, all authority, all power, the nature is a servant. Completely countercultural. Which king is up there on their throne and gets down to serve the people? It's countercultural what he does. It is so different and it is so perfect. You want to serve a king? I want to serve a king like this. I want to know a king? I want to know a king like this. And if you don't know Jesus, I'm just saying he is the best. His heart is amazing. His heart is to love and to serve. That's who King Jesus is. And we see this picture of him coming as a servant. As this, this next scene I want to take us to in Jesus' life is the day before he is crucified. He's gathered his disciples together for the, what's called the Last Supper. There is his disciples around. And I'm going to read from John, one of his disciples who was there with him in the room in these moments. If ever there was a time for Jesus to say, it's all about me, guys, it's all about me at this time, I'm about to go to be crucified, this is the moment. Like he's just about to go to the cross. And we'll see he serves. In John 3, 1 to 5, it says, It was before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Look at this. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returned to God. He knew that he had all authority. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He knew that all authority was given to him, and so he served. Amazing. Just a little bit of context here. If you imagine the days of Jesus, people wore sandals. They walked around the streets. The feet were dirty, muck. And if you would come into a house, it was the role of the slave or the servant to wash the feet of the guests. But here we have a scenario where there is no slave, there is no servant, no one is washing their feet. You've got 12 disciples here, Jesus is there. And I often wonder, how did this play out? Did the disciples look at each other and go, this is weird, no one's washed our feet, no, all of our feet dirty, who's going to do it? Looking around, well, I'm not going to do it. I've never washed someone's feet, I'm not going to wash your feet. Looking around, they're not exactly clamouring over their, themselves for the opportunity to serve one another in this way, are they? And then there's this moment when Jesus stands up, grabs a towel, grabs a basin of water and begins to wash their feet. The king, King Jesus, the one that they're following is the one who comes and takes on the role of a slave or a servant. Look at his heart. Isn't he amazing that he, he with all that authority, how does he use it? He uses it to serve and to love those that are around him. Humility. And then, of course, the culmination 
of this servant heart is in the cross. We read it here in verse 8. And being found in appearance as, as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. On the cross, we see the absolute reality that there is no limits to Jesus' love and willingness to serve you and me, to serve humanity. There is no limits. Nothing is on, off limits that he was willing to lay down his life. It says even death on a cross, the most humi humiliating death, he was willing to go there and to take that for you and for me. If you, if you wonder if God loves you, if you wonder if he loves you, look at the cross. No greater love has any man than to lay his life down for his friends. No greater love. And I want you to know that he did this willingly. In the, in the garden, it was like, God, um, not your will, sorry, not my will, but yours be done. He wanted, he was willing to go because of humanity, because saving humanity. There's this moment where he's before um, Pilate, before he goes to the cross, he's already been whipped and beaten and he's not talking to Pilate and says, don't you realise I have authority over you? And Jesus says, you don't have any authority over me that has not come from above. What's Jesus saying there? You don't have authority over me, but I am willingly laying down my authority in this moment to go to the cross. The trajectory of Jesus' life from the, the beginning of his ministry was for the, to the cross, to rescue humanity, to save humanity. This is his heart. You've got to know that God loves you. He's come from heaven to earth. He's laid down his life to save and to rescue you. What an incredible king. What an incredible king he is. But if I stand here today and I say, well, look at King Jesus. What an incredible servant, laying down his life, serving others. And say, let's follow King Jesus. I wonder what your response, my, my response is like, I can't. I, there's something going on in my heart that stops me from living in this way. Do, do you sense that as well? Like, that my, there's a self-centeredness to my life that needs to be laid down for me to live in this way. I need a change of heart. If ever I'm gonna live with such humility, such um, priority on others rather than self. Do we all struggle with that? Well, maybe it's just me. It's like, Jesus, if we're gonna follow you, something's gotta happen here. Something has to change in my heart if I'm gonna live like you, Jesus. And I wanna tell us today that Jesus is more than just a portrait. Jesus is more than just an example. He has come, if, if he didn't come to change our hearts, it would be worth nothing, but he came for more than just a portrait. He came, it says, to rescue, I come to save, to rescue you from the dominion of darkness, the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of life to change you, that, that he would come and, and, and like renovate our heart and change our heart that we would be more like him. That's what he has come to do. 
And that happens through humility. We access his life, his change in humility. The actual context, I want to look at the human heart here. The actual context of this passage is is people getting on with one another in our relationships. And in verse 3, it says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Tim Keller says the translation of these words, selfish ambition and vain conceit, there's many different ways to translate them, but he says the the selfish ambition, you could translate to be like a spirit of rivalry. It's that attitude where it's about me and about self. Um, It's about my needs being met. It's about me being right. It's about my reputation being at stake. It is about my power and my authority. I said in the first service, I was sitting with some kids in uh, the first service and there's two of them saying, that's my seat. And the other one would say, that's my seat. And I saw like how, these are my kids, just no, don't worry about anyone else. <laughs> these are my kids. And I was saying, how, how appropriate. It's in every one of our hearts. Some of us might hide it a little bit better than my kids were in that moment. But it's there. Don't act out of selfish ambition, this spirit of rivalry within your heart, he's saying. And then vain conceit, that can be translated, with the Greek word says kinodoxia. If you look at doxy, like doxology, it's about glory. It's about significance. It's about importance. And so this this word, kinodoxia, is a lack of it. It's saying... Don't act out of a lack of glory or a glory hunger of wanting glory and wanting honour. Don't act out of that, this sense of look at me, look at my significance, look who I am, look at what I have done. If we do that, it's not going to be good for our relationships. Within each of the human hearts is this sense of a longing for glory. Look at me, am am I significant or am I not significant? Am I worthy or am I not worthy? Look at me, look at me. I read a a quote from Madonna who expresses this sense of glory hunting so clearly. Madonna, the, the musical artist, she said, I have an iron will and all of my will has always been to conquer some horrible feeling of inadequacy. I'm always struggling with that fear. I push past one spell of it and discover myself as a special human being and then I get to another stage and think I'm mediocre and uninteresting. And I find a way to get myself out of that again and again. My drive in life is from this horrible fear of being mediocre. That's always pushing me, pushing me. Because even though I've become somebody, I still have to prove that I am somebody. My struggle has never ended and it probably never will. Isn't that sad as, as you read that? Like she even comes to the point of, oh, probably I'm just striving for this glory and recognition. And to be honest, I've got lots of it, but even then, I'm going to be still struggling with it. This is the ache of the human heart.
And if Jesus was just an example, we would be lost. We need Jesus to change our hearts. Because our hearts are the opposite to Jesus. My heart is the opposite, naturally, to Jesus. Let's just have a read of one of those statements there. It says, Jesus, being God, did not count equality with God something to be grasped. Even though he was God, he, he is God, he did not count that to something to hold on to and to grasp. But the human heart, my heart, even though I'm not equal to God, somehow I think that equality to God is something to grasp, that I need to be honoured that I want to be in control, that I want to be king of my life. There's a natural tendency in my heart to want significance, honour, and to be in control. Even though I'm not God, I want to be God of my life. It's the opposite to Jesus. Jesus, even though he made himself, even though he was, he made himself nothing and took on the role of a servant. We desperately want to be something and want others to serve us. It's the opposite. And if you see yourself in it, you're in good company. <laughs> I think we're all there. Madonna's there and Jesus' disciples are there. Listen to this. I don't know if your kids have ever come and asked a question like this, but James and John, they come to Jesus and they say, we want you to do whatever we ask. There's trouble looming, isn't there? Like, <laughs> kids ever come, we want you to do whatever we ask. And Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? Well, we want, let one of us sit at your right and the other on the left when you're in glory. That's their request. Do anything we ask. What do they want? What's their desire? We want to be honoured. When you're in all of your glory and your fullness, let, let, just even on your left or right, it's okay. Let us be honoured. Let us, let us be significant. Let us, let us be glory, have glory. How do you reckon that went for the unity of the 12 disciples, two of them asking that question? The other 10 were obviously indignant and Jesus calls them together as he does for a little lesson, guys. Come on. And this is what Jesus said. He says, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man, even Jesus, even me as, as God in flesh, did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And this is where the clincher is. I want to read that. The Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. He gave his life to ransom you and me, to rescue us from a self-centred life and bring us into his kingdom, to rescue us from, from the evil one and from darkness and bring, to ransom us, to purchase us. It's more than an example. He's wanting to move us spiritually out of this kingdom into that kingdom. That's what Jesus came to do. Powerful, powerful, a spiritual kingdom coming to this earth. And to give the power to change a human heart. Jesus said, my kingdom is different. You want to know 
about life and how to find life, Jesus says it's different to this, the ways of this world. It is. Whoever finds their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. You want fullness of life? Well, lay down your life and pick up the life that Jesus has for you. Where does this start? The access to this life is in humility at the cross. Because at the cross, we come, daily we come and we say, oh, I've got nothing to offer. I've just, I've just got my sin, I've got my brokenness, I've got nothing to offer. I come empty-handed, God. No pride, it's just laying down. At the cross, we admit our utter need for him. That we have been going our own way, that we've got ourselves in all sorts of situations and circumstances, the sin in our life, we confess that, we don't hide it, we humble ourselves and confess that we need forgiveness. At the cross, we lay down this I and me and self and lay it down that we can take up the life that he has for us. We lay down our crown, our our sense of ownership or being king of our lives and say, no, Jesus, you be king. And as we lay down our life in humility, he gives life. And this is, is the constant journey. Yes, it happens at the cross initially and maybe some of you have never accepted Christ in your life, never placed him in that place, never humbled yourself in that way. And maybe today is the day that you say, well, I'm gonna acknowledge Jesus as my king and my need for him. For others of us, it's a constant journey of different aspects of our life coming under his authority and the kingdom of God coming in that area of our life. If we are stuck in a sin, if, in sin, or if there's relationships that are out of order, if there's these things that are in and the pride of our life, it's humbling ourselves and placing them at, at Jesus' feet and saying, your kingdom come in this relationship. Your kingdom come over my finances. Your kingdom come over my decisions. His kingdom coming and ruling and reigning in our hearts, but it starts with humility. And there's this mysterious, amazing element to it. And that is the presence of God coming and living in you and me. That when someone will humble themselves in this way, God will come and live within you and me and change us from the inside out, that we can live the life of humility. Let me read it. This is not my good idea. This is God's idea. And he does it. I can't do it. He does it. But I'm telling you, this is what the scriptures say. Paul says it maybe best when he says, I have been crucified with Christ. I, I have laid my life down at the cross. I have given up self and I and me. I have laid that down and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. There is an opportunity for you today in life to lay down your life that Christ would come and live in and out of you. As I said, this is not my idea, this is scriptures and this is true. And this is where the human heart is changed. Paul goes, the life I now live in the body, I live by faith 
in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In Ephesians 3, 16 to 17, Paul prays for them and he says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with the power through his spirit in your inner being. His spirit in the inner being strengthen you from the inside that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. Colossians 1.16, to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery. What's the mystery? Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The mystery is Christ comes and lives within us when we humble ourselves in this way. And we are changed. And he, through his power in changing our heart, allows us to live in servant-hearted humility. Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. He'd recognise that one of the keys to life is it is no longer about my significance. It is no longer about my ability or inability. It is no longer about my pride or my glory. It is no longer about my need to be right. Put any number of things of us in there, me, I, but it is about him. It is, life is about his glory, his honour. It is about his ability. And coming under that, who is the true king? that his kingdom might come in and through us. I thought it was a bit awkward actually to share some good practical examples of humility that I see in the church because humility is not the sort of thing you shout from the rooftops or shout from a stage, but I do. I see God in people in their humility. And as I share these examples, not one of them would say that they have it all together. And everyone would probably say, well, it's because of God that I serve in this way. But just some ways that this humility is outworked in a church, or it can be outside of church, obviously, as well, in lives. And a couple of years ago, when Pastor Trish finished up here and on the church leadership council, um, she, she stepped off, and, and one of the the council leaders said, um, I just think for the sake of the council and for the sake of the church, it's probably best that we have female, another female representative on the council and I'm willing to step off. As you can see, the humility in that, the, the position or power or authority is not something to be grasped. It's a sense of humility to be able to let go and to serve what is best for God and for his church. Another time more recently, one of our Christmas parties in the church council, um, Matt Sweetman and I were just cleaning up um, the food after the meal and we went into the kitchen and Matt just made this offhanded comment to me that stuck with me. He said, uh, isn't it great that the, the leadership of this church that is sort of steering and giving direction and leadership to the church know their way around the kitchen, we don't have to give them an orientation. Well, what he was saying in that is, the same people that are seeking God and have authority to make decisions are the same people that are washing dishes. That is humility. Um, power is not something to be grasped, but it's to be let go and to, to be able to serve others. 
It's the humility of you know, a conversation a little oh, a number of years ago now with a close friend who we'd both hurt one another and they had the humility to come to me in this awkward conversation and, and say, I'm so sorry for my part and my part was bigger than theirs, but I'm so sorry for my part because I don't want anything to come in between what God wants to do in your life or in mine. So I'm sorry and I want to reconcile. That's, that's humility. God first and others before self and pride. I see it when, when people come at 5 a.m. to come and cook breakfast or to weed in a garden where no one knows, like no one sees them. There's nothing about self in that, but I think they all know that there's a deep joy because as we lay down our life, as we serve, there is a joy that comes from Christ in us. I see humility when, as a church, we pray. As a church, when we look out into our community and our world and we see the needs of our world and see the need for God's love and healing and restoration to come to say, God, we cannot do it. We need you. And so prayer is an act of humility, saying, God, please come and do what we can never do. Not doing things in our own strength, but saying, God, we need you. And I want to encourage us, church, keep coming to prayer meetings. Keep coming to this outpouring meeting at the end of this series. But we need humility in prayer, saying, God, we need you to come. Because we're not going to do it. We're, we're not the answer in and of ourselves, only with you living in us and through us. I see it in prayer. And as we pray and as we humble ourselves, his kingdom can come. And just as I asked the, the band to come up, I was reading a story this week about, unfortunately, an, an avalanche in, in Europe in one of the ski fields. Um, you know, 10 people were, were killed in this avalanche, um, just buried by snow, quite, I guess, foreign for us here in Australia, but... As I read, it's, it's not uncommon, particularly in America, but 30 people lose their lives to be, you know, through an avalanche. And um, this article was sharing just ways to deal with that if you're ever in um, an avalanche. And, and it shared this story of someone who was digging themselves out, but unfortunately they dig, dug 30 feet in the wrong direction because of disorientation and not knowing where they were going. They dug in the wrong direction. And Jesus' word is giving us direction. As I read through it, it said to orientate yourself, it's, it's not the greatest thing to share, but it's like you would spit and you would see where gravity took that and you would be able to get your bearings as to the way to find life. But here, Jesus is giving us our orientation, giving us our reality check to say, you know, you want life, we'll lose it. The way up is down. And this morning, if you've been just like Madonna, trying to fill your life with self and trying to find your way in life, to find fullness of life in all sorts of ways, I wanna say that Jesus is saying today, reorientate yourself the way to live life is to give up and to get down and to say, God, I need you. To humble yourself 
And if there's an area of your life that you've been struggling, you're trying to do it in your own strength, Jesus is saying that the way forward is to humble yourself. It's not about you. God, you know, God loves humility. That when we humble ourselves, it says God gives grace to the humble but he resists the proud. If you've got pride in your heart, today is the day to humble yourself before God. Whatever the cost is, to say, God, I need you. God, I I can't do this any longer. God, I need forgiveness. I'm not gonna hide around my, my, my sin anymore. I'm gonna, I just need you and I'm gonna humble myself and I'm gonna cry out. And that's where we find life. That's where he gives grace. There is grace for the humble. We want to be a humble church. And I was wondering how to to finish this and what song to sing. And there's this beautiful song that actually comes from a picture in Revelation, Revelation 4. And we're talking about his kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven. Listen to this. This is what worship is going on in heaven. It says, day and night, they stop saying, they never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honour and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and they worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay down their crowns before the throne and they say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. So how do we respond this morning, church? Whether you're online or here, it's about making him king. If you know Jesus this morning, it's making him king. God, help us lift him up and us down. It's not about us, it's about him. God, help us lay down the crowns of our lives, to lay down our pride and say, God, your kingdom come. That's when his kingdom will come. And as we sing this song, I want to invite you to humble yourself before the great king. He is an awesome king. There is no greater king. All authority, how does he use it to love you and to love me? How does he use it to ransom your life that you might have fullness of life in your heart? And maybe some of you for the first time, you want to bend your knee and say, Jesus, I need you. And as we sing this song, I want to invite people to come. Just come and just kneel before him, cast the crown of your life, whatever it is in your life, crown it, just cast it before him and say, Jesus, you be king. If you're not able to come forward, maybe do it in your own seat. And in the end, it's really a heart attitude. It's not about a movement. It's about our heart saying, Jesus, be king. I confess my sin. I confess my, the lordship of my life and controlling my life. I confess, I let that go, that your kingdom might come. The world needs his kingdom through us, not the kingdom of Andrew or what Andrew can offer this world. It needs him. What could God do through a church that is yielded to him? That his kingdom could come in and through our lives. So I just invite us as this song we're about to sing.
If you feel led, if you're able, if you want to, just humble your hearts before him. Express that in whatever way you feel led. But let's make him king. Let's lay down our lives. The way is down. Lord, lead us now. We acknowledge that you are here. We acknowledge that we can talk to you and express our hearts right here in this room. We don't need to be in heaven. We are saying, Jesus, be king right here. And if you're pinpointing anything in our hearts, Lord, just just help us confess those and leave them with you and know, Lord, that you have grace and mercy and forgiveness and life for us in you. Come, come and take over our lives. Come and consume our lives. Christ in us, the hope of glory. That's what we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So would you stand with me as we sing this song? But I encourage us to come in humility, come and respond. Whatever way God's leading, respond, laying down our crowns before Him, the great King.
proclaim in this place that you're the best. There is no king like you, Jesus. There is no king like you. We thank you for your love. Thank you for your unconditional love for everyone in this room, everyone listening online. Thank you for your grace. God, thank you that you made a way in King Jesus. Thank you that God, you don't want us to have it all together. You just want us to humbly come to you. Thank you, Jesus, that your kingdom comes in and through us, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are. Lord, we pray, God, come, your kingdom come and reign in greater measure in every one of our hearts, we pray. Not for us, not for our glory, but for you and for your glory and for this world that is in deep need of your love and your redemption and your restoration, we pray. So Lord, we, we pour out our hearts, say, God, you're the best, we love you. Lord, we love you, God. Help us by your grace. You give grace to the humble. Help us to stay humble, Lord. Help us to... To, to give all honour and all glory to You, we pray in Jesus' Name, in Jesus' Name. Would you put your hands together for King Jesus? Amen. Please be seated. Please be seated. So good to have you. And if, if maybe even for the first time you gave your life to Jesus or you want to know more about Jesus, we have Bible packs here. We'd love to help you on that journey. Online, reach out to, to those hosting you online as well. Otherwise, we'd love to get to know you. Go and grab a coffee, hang around this newcomers uh, welcome lounge there. If you want prayer, there'll be a prayer team up here as well. Uh, so thank you so much. We look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you.